This is a GRDC podcast. The squeak of sand under your feet is great on holiday, but it's not what you'd want to hear as you walk across your paddocks. In Australia's southern cropping region, some grain growers have sandy soils, and that's a real problem. We're not talking about an inland beach-type sand paddock. We're talking about the type of sandy soils that are generally compacted, nutrient-poor and water-repellent. Hello, I'm Chris Brown, and in today's podcast, produced by Tony Crowley, we'll meet a CSIRO scientist who is looking for solutions to the problem of low crop productivity in sandy soils. Dr. Therese McBeath. Um, we're talking about a region that extends from Sejuna um, in the western cropping parts of South Australia through to Griffith uh, in southern New South Wales. And yes, you're right, the emphasis is only on sandy soils and, and we are even more confined in that we're looking at soils uh, where the constraint to crop productivity exists in the sandy part of the soil profile. In this particular body of work, we are focusing on the low and medium rainfall areas um, of the southern cropping region. Therese, when we talk about improving crop productivity in sandy soils, let's define what we're actually talking about. So in terms of crop productivity, uh, what are we looking at improving? Tony, largely our focus is on increasing crop yield um, and we're considering crop yield within the context of yield potential. So, so the yield that we can realistically achieve with the rainfall um, at a given site. And the other part of this project is sandy soils. So sands uh, bring with them some, some really obvious constraints. When we look at a sand, we, we can see that it has very low organic matter um, that means it has um, is restricted in its ability to retain nutrients and supply nutrients to crops. So nutrition is one of our focuses. But another thing that happens a lot in sands is that um, they are compacted. Um, and so this affects the ability of the, the root to penetrate um, the soil and access uh, both water and fertility um, for production. So physical aspects are important to us as well. Um, and the final aspect of it is around water. So um, the ability of that soil to hold water um, and supply water um, to crop plants. Turbo-powered intervention is what's being investigated to overcome these soil constraints, boosted fertiliser strategies and the incorporation of nutrients using strategic tillage. We're really trying to consider a range of interventions um, and the way we describe them is mitigation. So that means uh, interventions that um, are lower cost, but you have to apply them more frequently, so often on an annual basis. So they might be things uh, like changes in your fertiliser regime, the amount or type of fertiliser you're using, whether or not you're using wetters in that regime right through to what we call uh, amelioration strategies. So these are strategies that significantly alter the soil profile um, and they are, come at a high cost, um, but they should have a greater longevity. So those kinds of interventions might be things like ripping or spading or inverting the profile. Uh, and along with that, we may add um, amendments with that. So things like organic matter, whether that be from manures or uh, residues. Um, and fertilisers as well. Of course, cultivation would remove the protective stubble from these sandy soils and increase the risk of soil erosion. 
It's why these regions have the highest adoption rates of no-till stubble retention systems in Australia. Being strategic about the cultivation is key. So when we're talking about um, these strategies, um, the risk is really front of mind. So because we're revealing um, parts of the landscape to an erosion risk, we have to think about when we do it and, and how we manage it. So examples of how we might modify that is many of our ripping treatments are actually being done very close to sowing. Uh, in the past, ripping work really focused on shattering dry aggregates. But here we're talking about the sandy part of the profile where aggregates are uh, less present. Um, and so a lot of the, often the ripping is done quite close to sowing. Um, and other strategies that we are exploring are um, spade and sow strategies. So a single pass where you invert the profile, but you also sow at the same time to try and establish cover very quickly and manage that risk that comes with uh, physical disruption to this landscape. What are some of the advantages of, of um, cultivating in this way or preparing the soil and sowing in this way? The advantages um, really come from um, changing the volume of soil that the uh, roots can explore and also uh, the way that the soil holds water makes water available to plants. The context though needs to be carefully considered so we need to think about how much rainfall we can supply when we open up that bucket of water that's available to a crop. We've got to be able to fill the bucket. Does it also relate to um, timing in terms of seasonal timing? Yes, the seasonal season to season effects of um, these types of interventions are, are really important. Um, there's been some really nice work by Sam Trengrove and his team um, in the area of Butte, um, where they found um, in a good cropping season like 2016, nutrition type interventions were really important. Uh, in a lower rainfall season like 2017 um, and with a um, crop like lentils, the ripping type treatments became really important. So, so the seasonal overlay is extremely important and, and it takes a lot to untangle when you're thinking about the fit for these types of interventions you know, at the farm scale. It's a, it's a pretty tricky thing to unpack. Sowing alongside the previous year's crop row is another area this project has been studying. So along with our project partners at University of South Australia, we're looking at um, edge row sowing where we sow into the edge of the previous crop row because we know that um, that previous crop row accumulates more water early in the growing season and that has a strong effect on establishment. So for example, this year, um, which has been a very poor start to the season at, at our site at Lamaroo, we know that in the, the top part of the profile, we accumulated an extra seven mils of water and that had a really important effect on our establishment numbers and getting that crop away. Can you actually example how much of a difference in, in establishment that has uh, created, like compared to a previous season? Um, I think it was in the order of a 40% benefit in um, establishment for um, plant numbers. And the important thing is it um, shifted the plant number um, to above a sort of a critical threshold for a viable um, establishment. So. Um, if you see a benchmark of around 60 plants per square metre to have a, a good stand of, of wheat, um, having that edge row sowing pushed it well in excess of that number. Strategically sowing seed close to moisture is not the only way seeders are being used as a means of intervention in this research project. Using the seeder to deliver amendments such as fertiliser and wetters is also being trialled. At our site at Lamaroo, we're also exploring this concept of the permanent fertility strip. 
So this is um, something that you can achieve with your cedar, but what you do is revisit a very narrow part of the paddock. So each year you're sowing just slightly offset um, from the year before um, with um, some amendments. And so you're trying to create this um, area of enhanced fertility in your paddock, which comes at a lower cost than some of the, the more drastic interventions. So we're trying to see uh, whether that's a strategy to improve the performance of sands um, with the lower upfront cost. Um, the trade-off is that you don't get the same big uh, upfront response. It takes longer to accumulate the benefits of that kind of treatment. So as far as this project is concerned and, and beyond that, what's ahead for you? Um, so this project is a, a big effort for me um, in terms of experimental sites. Um, the project itself is uh, led by Lynn McDonald. Um, and then I am also involved in uh, low rainfall canola productivity, uh, particularly with a nutrition focus um, and the novel pastures project, um, uh, looking at um, sort of diversifying our sequence a bit in our, in our cropping systems and considering profit and risk. So they're my core activities, but I'm also a bit of a um, uh, hobby chemist. So my training is in chemistry and at the moment we're playing with um, uh, different uh, coatings for urea um, using micronutrients and looking for enhanced nitrogen use efficiency. And I have a visiting professor with me at the moment. So, so a bit of a full circle back to, back to the bench, but that's been good fun as well. Would you, at the beginning of your career, have thought this is where you were going to be at this stage? Uh, my career cycles, <laughs> keeps cycling through. So I, I did ag science and then I worked in industry for a while. Um, and I didn't think I would do research at that point. And then I did a um, PhD in chemistry, fertiliser chemistry. Uh, I did a couple of positions with the university after that in more, in more on the chemistry side. And then I came across to a farming systems uh, position where it's more applied. So, and now I'm doing a bit of chemistry on the side. So you can see that I just keep cycling through. Um, but the, the stable thing is the passion for agriculture. I grew up on a farm, love the farm. and and that, that passion for agriculture is always there. That's, that's the stable thing. And you just come at problems from different perspectives, which can be really good fun. Last year, you picked up a GRDC Southern Region Emerging Leader Award. Um, does that just put pressure on you to, to do even more? Or do you just sit back and, and think, yeah, that was lovely acknowledgement? <laughs> it was nice. Um, I have to admit it was a little bit strange because it came with a travel bursary and I was on maternity leave at the time. So I did think, oh, I'm not sure how well international travel and maternity leave go together, but I've put the award to use um, by bringing someone to me. So it was great that GRDC could accommodate me in that way. So rather than me having to leave my family when they're so young, I was able to bring um, a visiting professor to me. So that's been great. Coming back to um, our immediate project, improving crop productivity in sandy soils, what's been the interest from growers and advisors so far? I think this um, project has attracted um, a lot of interest and, and that really um, came from the startup. So this project in part um, came to bear because of the lobby of, of growers and regional cropping solutions networks for um, a more concerted effort in improving production on sandy soils. So, so it's a, you know it's a ground up project really. It, they they have ownership of it from the get go. So at this stage of the work, um, how big are these trials? Um, so, at each site, um, 
we, each of our core experimental sites, we have a, an experiment uh, where we're trying some of the amelioration, the, the bigger, heavier handed interventions. Um, and then we have an associated experiment that is the lower cost interventions. And those two experiments are side by side, but, but separate. And each of those are in the order of sort of 60 plot type experiments. And then we have, I think, um, seven or eight different sites on the go at the moment. And the extra layer of work on top of that, that um, started up this year is uh, validation um, and demo experiments. How soon do you think growers might be taking a look at that? The demo trials will start next year and it's a, a two year program um, and they're paddock scale trials. And it's really about um, where um, the technology is more mature and farmers are trying things and supporting that process. So where farmers want to try things, we, you know, we have engineers and soil scientists and plant scientists on our team. So we might support that effort and help them to measure the potential um, benefits or risks of different treatments at that paddock scale. The CSI rose to raise McBeef talking with Tony Crowley and keep an ear out for Teresa's name at any future grower meetings and updates to hear more about improving crop productivity in sandy soils. You've been listening to a GRDC podcast and I'm Chris Brown.